Hi, everyone, and welcome to The New Work, a podcast series brought to you by CIO.com in partnership with Adobe and Microsoft. I'm Martin Feach, Contributing Editor at Foundry and CIO, and I'll be the host of this series in which we'll explore what it takes to create a digital-first workplace that supports innovation. We'll discuss how a modern, secure, and connected workplace enables us to do more. And we'll show how forward-thinking organizations are making digital work and life more creative, collaborative, and efficient. So what do we mean by the new work? The new work is about rethinking the way work gets done. It's a fundamental shift in the work model to one that fosters human-machine collaboration, enables new skills and worker experiences, and supports an intelligent and dynamic environment, unbounded by time or physical space. As organizations accelerate and expand their digital transformation initiatives and move into what IDC calls the era of multiplied innovation, traditional work models simply aren't nimble or adaptive enough. For our first episode, we have two great speakers to share the perspective on new work trends and some of the challenges IT and business leaders are working through to evolve and adapt. First up is Tony Van Winkle, Vice President of Digital Workplace Experience at Adobe. And after a short break, I speak with Nicole Herskowitz, Vice President for Microsoft Teams and the M365 platform at Microsoft. Welcome, Tony. Can you start by telling me a little bit about your role at Adobe? Absolutely. I am super excited to be here today to talk about the new ways of working. I lead the digital workplace experience organization here at Adobe, and our mission is to enable Adobe's workforce to collaborate, innovate, and be productive from anywhere. And what that means is there's a number of capabilities that my team uh, supports across the enterprise. That includes experience design, enterprise productivity, collaboration, workplace enablement and operations, just the technology that goes into the real, real estate that we build around the world. All technology endpoints, your laptop, desktops, your cell phones, and the security that is around um, all of those capabilities. I also have all of the HR technology components that allow us to support the hire to alumni journey here. And that includes things like our enterprise learning platform. Yeah, hire to alumni, that's, it's, it's a long journey, isn't it? And we're all getting used to this new uh, workplace and, and how we figure this stuff out. Now, now look, Tony, it's fair to say that CIOs and business leaders learned a lot from the huge and dramatic shift to remote working. Uh, what lessons should they be carrying forward into this new world of work? And how should they be maybe thinking differently about the workplace? Yeah, it's really interesting as I look back over the last two and a half, almost three years now, believe it or not, many, um, many articles have been written about the time that we were working from home during the pandemic was, let's say, the great equalizer. We were all in our two by three inch boxes on whatever collaboration platform of choice you want to choose. And that gave us a view into each other's homes. And it felt like if you were the CEO or 
the janitor or an analyst or a designer that you had the same space and that experience started to equalize things. Um, we started to hear from people who were traditionally introverts. So they may have been silent in the room prior to the pandemic. And this allowed us to have voice. In addition to that, I think it gave us a little bit of agency and it gave us some choice on the times that we worked. So we, some of us were, you know, literally six feet from our desk from the time we got up <laughs> in the morning to the time that we got into our day. And we had some choices about being able to go take the dog for the walk in the afternoon or make dinner a little bit earlier for the family. And all of that culminated into what I think is just a little bit more empathy for each other, um, a little bit more care for each other. Because remember, we all went through the same, um, I would say, tra traumatic experience from the pandemic itself. So we all kind of leaned in to care for each other. And guess what we did? We took the hill and we got work done. So I think there's an opportunity for us to learn about how do we carry that into the future? And the focus for me would be on um, how could we lean into flexibility? How could we give people more agency and design so that the voices in the room are all heard and we can have a much more equitable work experience um, as we collaborate together going into the future? Yeah, it already seems a, a while ago. You're you're bringing back memories here, Tony. But but tell me, I wanted to ask you, what gets you excited about the focus you're seeing on employee and the workplace experience? Sure, there are a number of things that are really exciting to me. Now, my team has always been a huge champion for human centered design and human centered kind of approach to how we think about technology in the workplace. So I'm super excited that more and more people are thinking about putting the humans at the center of the solutioning versus the technology. The technology definitely has its place. I'm also excited that people are understanding that it's not just one size fits all. We have different personas in our environment that have different goals. And that means that their solutions need to be somewhat personalized not completely customized, but really personalized to the types of outcomes that they need to drive. I also love the fact that we're thinking about wellness. How can we help sure that the humans are doing well? And that correlates to our businesses doing well. So this relationship is truly exciting to me. And I think the final thing that I'll say is I'm super excited about what data can do to really help us drive better business outcomes and happier human beings in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, for what was a, a dreadful, and as you say, a traumatic time, we did get some positives out of this stuff. But I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned there, and I know you've spoken and written in the past 
about what you call this outcomes-based approach to employee performance. Can you maybe dig a little bit deeper and tell me what you mean by that and why you think it's a good way to uh, focus and spotlight on uh, workplace initiatives? Yes, yeah, so traditional leadership and um, has really been based on kind of industrial era leadership, right? And during that time, we were really focused on outputs. Just think about the big manufacturing plants, think about cranking out lots of widgets, uh, cranking out products, driving cost out of those, uh, you know, out of those products so that we can achieve our margins. And a lot of that had to do with high volume output. We have a lot of management discipline in our mind about high quality output. And I believe that now we need to start to think about outcomes. And what I mean by that is how do we help humans understand their contributions to business outcomes? Not just how many widgets, but if you built a thousand widgets, were you able to sell a thousand? And were you able to do that in the most efficient way with the best outcome for your business. So this is what I mean by outcomes-based leadership. This starts to turn the knob on the way that leaders need to think about outcomes. And that is based on a lot of trust in a world where we're working from anywhere, right? So in the output kind of world, you were able to walk those halls of the manufacturing plant and actually see people do work. In this new world where I may not see you, you may be remote or not in the office all the time, how can I really trust that you're doing the work? The way I get there is by measuring the outcome of the work that you're doing. And so this is what I mean by outcomes-based leadership. Yeah, in a way, we're going to be moving away from sort of technology-based outcomes, things you can really put a number on in, in the way a CIO or a CTO would do, and more towards, uh, as you say, a uh, business focused. Okay, what did it do for the enterprise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember very early in my career, it, it was it was nice to look busy <laughs> because yeah. it meant that you were doing a lot. But what the unintended consequence of that is, is that people did a lot of busy work. And if you're doing a lot of busy work, you may not be as efficient and you may not be able to get to that higher value work. And that's the kind of behavior we want to get to. So if I remove some of this busy work and I'm able to get to that higher value work and I'm rewarded for that, I'm going to create a different kind of behavior. Absolutely. We used to call it presenteeism, you know, show up and you, you get a point for that. And it, I know, or participation yeah. trophies, we call it in Little League, right? Is that right? I, I'm going to I'm going to steal that one. Uh, well, well, look, well, look, Tony, um, your friends over at Microsoft CEO there, Satya Nadella, recently said that organizations need to infuse technology into every business process and function so they can do more with less. We all want to do that, right? Um, you've written about the need to reduce friction in workflows in order to unlock human brilliance. What, what a lovely phrase that is. In, in your view, 
Where does technology fit in the broader context of people, process, and workplace culture? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I'm a huge fan of making work easier. You know, let's let's be honest with ourselves. Work is hard. You know, we love a challenge as humans, and many of us are in this because we want to be the people who solve things. And so I think that technology, in my mind, plays a role in removing the toil of that work. But I'd like to move us past just enabling people to do their jobs to having technology be sort of a sidekick. Um, I spent this weekend watching um, a superhero movie, and I won't name it, but that superhero movie um, was a great kind of metaphor for where I think technology plays. In this particular case, many of the heroes of the movie had a set of technology either in their suits or at their fingertips that were telling us um, kind of what was happening around them so that they could react accordingly. So I think about technology as a way to augment our human experience, kind of a sidekick, if you will. We've created the sidekick at Adobe um, in a little mobile app we call the Adobe Life app. And what that sidekick allows you to do is, whether you're working from home in the office or on the go, is you can get content, podcasts very similar to this, about topics you might want to know about our business or about other people that you work with. While you're in an office, you could use it for wayfinding to find your way around some of our larger, more complicated campuses, or you can use it as a sidekick to watch your nutrition and order food and understand how many calories you're consuming when you go down for that burger at lunch. And you can sign up for the gym, by the way, as well, and track the way that you burn those extra calories from the fries. And so I see technology as a way for us not only to get work done, but a sidekick to help us up our game and get many of our goals, not only the work, but things about our community, things about learning, things about becoming craftspeople and doing our work at a higher level and also connecting with each other. So I hope that helps. Hey, well, look, um, given this context, where should employee experience and new work models sit on that very long list of CIO priorities? So many leaders speak about people being at the center of making their businesses work. And I believe that is very true. I believe that CIOs need to focus on key business processes to either bolster, start up, or continue to make your businesses more efficient. And the employee experience is super, super high on that list. If you look at the places where you spend most of your money, um, I bet you spend a large sum of that on employees. And if your employees are doing the best work that they can do while they're doing a journey throughout your company, I think that's an investment that will pay returns beyond their tenure in your organization. I think you're you're bang on. And also, you know, it touches on something that I speak a lot 
uh, about with CIOs, CEOs, anyone really in this business, which is giving people interesting work, stuff that's going to uh, entice them to uh, join your company and stay with your company, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the founders of Adobe always talked about great ideas come from anywhere in the company. And if you're not hearing all those voices, if you're not providing all of that talent, the tools that they need to do their job, you're probably not getting out of them all that, all that they desire to give or all that you can. And this is where this ideal of human brilliance comes into play. Tony, we could talk forever in a day, I'm sure, about this stuff, but this is the time we've been allocated. So we, we, you and me will meet up and, and follow up uh, very soon. It's been a pleasure, Tony. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we're all learning on this journey. And I hope to keep learning and talking to people like you, Martin. Stay tuned for part two of our episode, where I'll be joined by Microsoft's Nicole Herskowitz to discuss asynchronous collaboration, social capital, and other aspects of the new work that are demanding more attention from CIOs. I'm joined now by Nicole Herskowitz, Vice President for Microsoft Teams and the M365 platform at Microsoft. Hi, Nicole. Please tell us a little bit to begin with about your role at Microsoft. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Nicole Herskowitz. Um, I head up a Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 platform, as you just said. I've been at Microsoft for over 20 years, uh, but the last Three years or so, I've worked on this kind of workplace technology and had the privilege to really see some of the patterns and changes um, that we're seeing in the workplace uh, as we've moved from the pandemic of kind of remote to now hybrid work. And so excited to discuss some of those with you today. Well, well, absolutely. You've seen a lot of changes compressed, I'm sure, into the last few years. But maybe I could ask you an open question and say, what are some of the broader trends you're seeing about how work is changing? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, work has fundamentally changed. We are just not the same people who were sent home maybe back in 2020 when the pandemic started. Uh, and at Microsoft, we do a lot of research to really understand how work patterns are changing. And we regularly release what we call the Work Trend Index Report. And that does surveys of tens of thousands of customers around the world. We also look at product telemetry from our Microsoft 365 products like Outlook and Teams. And we even look at LinkedIn uh, job trend data to truly see what's going on in the workplace. And one of the biggest takeaways or trends that we're seeing from the data is that employees want flexibility. And flexibility means where, when, and how they work. Over 70% of employees say they want flexible options to stick around. So just a broad trend that flexibility is the new norm for the workplace. Um, and that applies also not just to where you physically work, but also even the workday. Uh, some of the trends we see is the kind of standard nine to five workday is, is gone. We see what we call the triple peak day where within our products, it's showing that people are shifting the hours that they work 
And then the other thing I'd highlight with kind of broader trends that we're seeing in the workplace is the role of the office is really changing. How people think about and use the office really varies by employee, their stage of life, their home situation, even their home location uh, versus the office. Uh, We see in our data that some people come into the office for focus time, other people work from home for focus time. So it really just depends, once again, on their personal setup. But one of the key things we do also know from our data is that when people do come to the office, it's for each other. Over 80% of people say the reason they want or come into the office is to connect with each other and to, to build team bonds. And then finally, the work they actually do when they come in the office to be together is very much driven by maybe more brainstorming sessions or collaboration and and building those personal connections, which is a shift to how maybe the office was used in the past. Yeah, I mean, that's a a lot of change going on, a lot of uh, change management for organizations to, to wrestle with. But tell me, you know, in simple words, how do company policies and technologies need to evolve to keep up with these changing work models? Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, employees really want flexibility. And that is, as I mentioned, where, how, and when they work, because they know they can be productive. You know, we've demonstrated that over the last couple of years. And really, flexibility and how uh, policies are set up is really key to attracting and retaining employees. It's really important when you look at younger generations. Uh, From our research, Gen Zs, for example, are more likely to engage in company postings on LinkedIn if it mentions even the word flexibility. We see over a 77% more likely to engage with a job posting. So as you think about attracting talent, attracting younger generations, flexibility is truly key in your policies. Uh, but we do see you know, differences uh, by industry, by company, by area of the uh, world on how actual flexible policies are implemented. One example from my team is that we have created what we call anchor days. When we come into the office, when we know our team members will actually be there. And so Thursday is an example of one anchor day that we have. And we create things, both meetings that we do, maybe one-on-ones in addition to team meetings. But then we also do fun things to create social capital like Thirsty Thursday. Um, And that's a really common thing that we see, not just within Microsoft, but within our broad customer base. And then as you mentioned and asked, how can technologies help? Um, There's a lot that technologies can do to help support this more flexible work environment. Um, We know, for example, every meeting is, is now a hybrid meeting. So our conference room technology needs to get better. Uh, The Technology needs to be designed for the people outside of the room. If you're going to have a mix of remote and in-person attendees, we want to maintain that even playing field that we created when everyone was remote. Uh, So some examples here um, in Microsoft Teams rooms, we have a capability called Front Row. And what it does is if you're in a conference room, all remote attendees are on the monitor in life size and they're at eye level. And you can actually see their reactions if they do a heart or a thumbs up or if they raise their hands. Also on the screen, you see the chat on the side, which is often the other conversation going on in every meeting these days. 
So bringing those remote attendees into the room is a real big shift in how technology can make that you know playing field still be be equal. And then kind of the other way around, if you're a remote participant, how do we make it so the conference room attendees are really easy to understand and no longer just a big table with a lot of ants or heads sitting around it? And so there's new software and hardware solutions that we call intelligent cameras that make it very easy to detect who in the room is speaking and using AI to actually zoom in to that individual who's talking. So you get those not just verbal, but also nonverbal cues uh, on what's going on in the room. Technology can even divide the people into multiple video streams. So you actually see each of the in-room participants in their own video square, just as if they were all remote in the past. Um, And even can do things like people recognition. So you can actually display the name of the various people speaking uh, below their video. So this type of technology can really make it so that we all continue to feel a very inclusive environment, even if we're working in a more hybrid setting. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Those developments in more lifelike uh, conferencing. Uh, And I have a related question here, which is one of the workplace trends that's getting more attention is asynchronous collaboration. Number one, how do you define that? And what are some of the challenges? And perhaps more importantly, what are some of the opportunities that stem from that? Sure. Um, I define asynchronous uh, kind of collaboration is the ability to work on your own time, maybe working more offline or aligned with your own schedule. A synchronous collaboration is, is working live. Often that is what we've experienced the last couple of years of just being in meetings. Um, and, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of years is a big kind of shift of more asynchronous work. Uh, With meeting fatigue, people spending so much time in meetings, uh, there's a real hunger to spend more time doing focus work, working on their own time. And we've seen a big jump from 25% to almost 40% of time now spent doing asynchronous work. And the opportunities here are truly both practices and technologies to help us do more asynchronous work. Uh, you know, creating new workplace norms to support asynchronous work is really key here. Uh, For example, in my team, we have some norms like we don't send emails or Teams messages outside of standard work hours. That really helps us, you know, not always be on. Uh, We also don't host meetings on Friday afternoons, once again, allowing our employees to have time for more asynchronous work. Uh, Often I see teams as well create time blocks for when meetings are okay, and that really works well for cross-time zone teams. So people are only maybe in meetings during their standard work hours, not late at night or early in the morning. So those are examples of some opportunities related to practices to really help support more asynchronous work and time box when synchronous work is happening within a team. With regards to technology, there's lots of tools that can really help uh, support more asynchronous work environments. 
within our tools like Outlook and Teams, we have capabilities like Schedule Send. So as I mentioned before, I put in a practice not to send emails or messages outside of work hours. You can actually, if you prefer to work late at night or early in the morning, do that work, but then uh, delay the send of the message to an hour that's appropriate for others on your team. I also like a tool that we have in Teams called Video Clip, which allows me to record videos of myself, uh, explaining maybe the priorities for the day or the things that we need to get done as a team. And then I can send it out to my team for viewing at their own time, whenever it's convenient for them. It keeps a very dynamic way to communicate to my employees, but it does it in a way that's more on demand and asynchronous for the team members. And then finally, uh, there's great tools like meeting recordings and transcripts and, and, and the avail availability of chat history that allows people to, what I say, move from FOMO, fear of missing out of meetings, to JOMO, which is joy of missing out of meetings, and still be able to catch on meetings that maybe they decide not to attend or uh, maybe want to just get a piece of that meeting um, at a future time or date. And so... Um, these types of tools can help people still get the key information they need to do their job, but once again, have the flexibility to do it at a time that's convenient for them. Yeah, we could all do with a bit more JOMO in our lives, I think, Nicole. <laughs> um, and on a related point, again, I think one of the downsides, we can all agree, of the move to remote and hybrid work is that our social capital has weakened and that impacts cross-group collaboration, employee retention, and so on. What role, if any, can technology play in helping to rebuild social capital in the workplace? Yeah, no, it's a, a really great point. Uh, we see in our data that over 40% of leaders say that re relationship building is the greatest challenge in hybrid and remote work. Uh, we have seen the kind of challenges in this environment with regards to uh, building thriving relationships, not just with individual team members, but one of the biggest challenges is how to create uh, broader networks outside of your immediate team. And if these relationships are built, it impacts retention, as you mentioned, cross-group collaboration, even you know people's willingness and ability to kind of maintain their career within one organization. And so technology is a key asset to help with, you know, building relationships in this hybrid work environment. Uh, and some are really easy, lightweight tools. Um, it's also just uh, managers creating space to use these tools in a work environment, um, whether it is uh, creating some social time where people can come together on a morale event and maybe do some, you know, games in the work environment where they do icebreakers or trivia games that allow for just a way to get to know each other better and have some fun. And that really has a positive impact in people's connections with each other. Um, there's also other tools like breakout rooms that allow people to, once again, divide into groups that are maybe not their immediate teams and hold discussions or brainstorming sessions that allow them to get new ideas and engage with people that are maybe not who they work with on a day-to-day -day basis. But then there's lots of new technologies that are uh, becoming available that address additional pain points that we see that are key to building social capital. 
Some is if people are going to come into the office, let's make sure that it's worth it and that they don't have what we call commute regret. Um, they won't, and, and when they have commute regret is when you show up in an office and there's no one there. Your team members aren't there. You don't know how to find them. Maybe you came in on the wrong day. And um, we're introducing some new technologies like uh, Microsoft Places, which helps with hybrid scheduling. So you know the right day to go into the office because you know your team members are going to be there on that day and you know where they're going to be sitting. And you know, you know uh, how to set up a room so that it's designed for what mix of people are remote or in person. So those types of tools are really going to be helpful so that people get the most of their time in the office and they get those social connections when they're actually there. And then the final thing I'd mention from a tech perspective is there's a lot of new tech coming that is really going to align to the way younger generations are connecting, especially in virtual worlds. Uh, When I see my my daughters, you know, connecting with their friends in virtual worlds like Minecraft, I see how those types of social connections are really powerful and it's going to come into the workplace. We see over 50% of Gen Z and millennials expect to use the metaverse in the next two years in the work environment And Microsoft, like many other companies, are working at how we bring that technology into the workplace to help with building social connections. Um, And we're bringing a a technology called Microsoft Mesh into Microsoft Teams, you know, where a lot of our customers are working every single day. And it's a great way for big groups of people to network and engage in a way that feels more personal. You know, you can use either 2D or 3D to be able to, you know, collaborate, whether it's on a PowerPoint or on a whiteboard, but then using technologies like spatial audio, it feels like that person's really truly next to you. And that helps with that kind of more personal connection that we're all looking for if we're working in a more hybrid environment. Right. Uh, It it seems to me, speaking to CIOs all over the world at the moment, that they're still figuring a lot of this stuff out. And you've done a a really outstanding job pointing the way forward, Nicole. So many thanks for that. Thank you so much, Martin. As we've learned today, there are many factors increasing the urgency for the transition to new work. In the episodes that follow, we'll explore some of those challenges in more depth, including employee expectations for more personalized experiences, a multi-generational workforce with a range of work styles, and broader macroeconomic trends such as globalization, diversity and inclusion, and sustainability. We've got some great guests lined up to provide a variety of thought-provoking perspectives. For new episodes and other resources on this important topic, visit thenewwork.cio.com. For CIO, Adobe, and Microsoft, I'm Martin Feach. Thanks so much for your time. This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated, doing business as Foundry, in association with its sponsors, Adobe and Microsoft.